We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. It's the sale you've been waiting for. Now through Monday, get a huge 50% off the styles you need now with 50% off all jeans, 50% off all dresses, and 50% off all tees. That's right, 50% off. Jeans start at 15 bucks for adults, 10 bucks for kids. Want fashion in a flash? Buy online and pick up in-store for free. Hurry, the sale ends Monday at Old Navy and OldNavy.com. Valid 829 to 9-2 excludes in-store clearance, jumpsuits, rompers, bubbles, active license, and men's package tees. Podcast. I'm Kyle Pollock on Twitter at Kyle Pollock FF and joining me is my host Jordan Hoover on Twitter at jhoover9787. Jordan, how you doing tonight? Good, Kyle. I'm doing good. Uh, we had a pretty crazy weekend of college football. Um, you and I were at Beaver Stadium watching Penn State Rutgers. We got to meet IRL, which was cool. Uh, brought the podcast friendship into the real world, which is always nice. Um, we It was kind of a log of a game, I would say. Uh, did get to see Sam Barkley signature hurdle uh goal line was cool to see in real life and uh yeah Penn State kind of handled their business in an ugly game um yeah so, so I was there we were there for a noon kick and uh, a bunch of things went on as I was traveling so I missed a bunch of the games but we had some pretty wild uh some pretty wild action to get into yeah it was, it was pretty cool to meet up though that, that was uh you know something that was really nice like you said this game was kind of a slog you know we met at half and uh we were both a little concerned as to why we, Penn State was losing after the first quarter, 6 nothing, but they rebounded. Um, I caught a good amount of 330 games, and uh, while they weren't all super competitive, uh, some of the results were pretty surprising. So um, the first one we're going to get into is Auburn. Uh, Auburn knocked out Georgia 40-17. to um, I was shocked by this. 
Um, I thought Georgia, I know Auburn has a great run defense. I thought they would at least be able to get some semblance of a run game going. They averaged 1.4 yards a carry. Um, really, it was on Jake Fromm to get it going for them. He couldn't do that. 13 for 28, 184 yards. No turnovers. Uh, did have one touchdown. But um, carry on Johnson looked good for Auburn. Uh, really, just, they just kind of carried the load with him. Um, Stidham had a couple deep passes, which he was able to convert for them. Had three touchdowns. Um, wasn't overly impressed with Auburn's offense um, or anything like that. It was mainly just the, the defense, um, which was swarming to the ball. So um, it's good. I guess the SEC kind of got one more relevant team now to kind of shake up the playoff picture a little bit. Um, Georgia, I think, still has a chance. Uh, they will be in the SEC championship game, but their path got a lot harder. Yeah, and we previewed this game on last week's pod, and um, I thought that Auburn would – I actually – Took Auburn in the points, but I definitely did not see this coming. Um, <laughs> I figured at home they could do their best to kind of keep Georgia's run game in check and maybe be able to, you know, squeeze out that at all. Um, they completely smothered Georgia's run game, which is something I haven't really seen. At point. Auburn's been good on defense here, but, I mean, I was surprised that Chubb, Michelle, Swift, Holyfield, all those dudes, they really couldn't get anything going on the ground. Um, like you said, Jared Stidham was efficient. Uh, wasn't, you know, only attempted 23 throws, but completed 16 of them, like you said, three touchdowns, so a good game for him. And Auburn now moves forward uh, with a sandwich game against Hugh Monroe, which we might touch on at the very end of this positive alert. Um, and, you know, they have them, and then they have uh, the Iron Bowl the next week, so things are shaping up pretty, pretty nicely for Auburn. They're going to get a chance to prove themselves against what is probably going to be the number one team. Um, two weeks from now when they when they when they square off and then you know if they win that game then a likely repeat uh, matchup with Georgia and the championship game so Auburn fans should be pretty excited they you know they they hold their destiny um, it, it's all in front of them I want to see how far Georgia ends up dropping if they do drop below Auburn because of how big the difference was in the playoff rankings and I think that'll be really indicative of what's going to happen in the SEC uh, in terms of the playoff I mean, Auburn should jump up just based on, uh, you know, the other teams that lost this weekend, Washington, uh, TCU, and um, I assume they jumped Notre Dame. Did they jump a team like Wisconsin, um, who finally beat a ranked team? Maybe. Um, So, you know, Auburn could jump up there if they end up jumping those four teams and Georgia up to five. Um, It'll be tough for them to do that, but um, I think certainly they probably deserve to move up at least three or four spots after this week's big win. Uh, next game we got on the schedule was where game day was this week, and it was more. Uh, Miami knocked off Notre Dame at home, 41-8. to uh, I was listening to the Shutdown Fullcast today, the uh, SPCN podcast, and they were saying how 8 is just an awful score to end with. Like, it's not like you were getting uh, – you, they were getting blown out, and they still thought they had a chance. They went for 2. You know, they st- <laughs> still were like, we can come back. We can do this. It's not like, you, you know, you lost like 0 and you just gave up. No, Never you, give you up, went right? went for 2 late in the third quarter, and we're still trying. <laughs> Um, a little embarrassing on Notre Dame. I thought that was pretty funny. Um, Josh Adams and the whole rushing attack got shut down. Uh, Brandon Wimbush was pretty ineffective as a passer, as was uh, Ian Book. I think Wimbush got shaken up. I don't remember exactly when, but uh, both of them had a turnover. Uh, uh, Wimbush had a turnover. Uh, lone bright spot Notre Dame was Equinemius St. Brown, so um, finally paid off, I guess. Uh yeah, four for 68, definitely tied for the year. Raise up, raise um, up. Yeah. Other than that, Miami was kind of led by that rushing attack. They played a really similar game to what Notre Dame plays, just kind of you know, ran the ball a lot through it when they had to. Um, that defense had four turnovers. That's really you know the, the strength of their team. 
three interceptions on the day, had a pick six uh, early on, I believe. Uh, guy just kind of jumped the pass and took it right to the house. Um, so they were grabbing that turnover chain left and right. Uh, Travis Homer, he's done a great job filling in for Mark Walton. was a guy I liked coming out of school. Uh, decent size back, 5'11", 195, great speed, uh, had 146 yards in this game, no touchdowns, um, and it is a threat through the air too, has 17 catches this year, um, three games over 100 yards, so I'm glad to see he's been producing, and uh, other guy from Miami I was happy with, uh, he didn't do a ton this, this game, he, uh, he was their leading receiver with just two catches for 45 yards, but Lawrence Hager um, was a guy I really liked coming out of high school as well, uh, he's 6'5", 218, a uh, guy that moved really well, I thought, for someone who was so big. Um, he got hurt at the beginning of last year uh, towards ACL and didn't play at all. So he's a redshirt sophomore. This is kind of his first time seeing real live action. And he hasn't done a ton this year. Uh, he's been, you know, banged up still a little bit. But I'm glad to see he took a step forward in this game. And hopefully he can kind of continue to build on that as the season goes on. Yeah, this is another pretty shocking final score if you didn't catch the game. Um, I think that we... Both thought that this would be a lot closer, similar to the game that we just talked about. Emmy, you know, just really dominated on defense. Like you said, they they forced four turnovers. Um, and, it, you know, I personally have been underselling, I guess, Miami for basically the whole year. And we, we talked, uh, again, we talked about it before the in last week's pod when we were previewing the game, that we both kind of thought Miami might eventually start running out of luck. It's not luck involved. Maybe they are legit. Yeah. Um, I think that I think that their offense still is somewhat limited when you when you look at the fact that they only uh, they only threw for 137 yards in this game. Now, granted, they ran for 237, so sometimes you don't need the passing game. But I think that if Miami wants to keep moving down the line and vie for you know spot in the playoff, potential national championship, they need to be able to get more out of their passing game. So uh, Malik Rozier. You know, I think that he needs to. I think he needs to do more. Eventually, it was it worked out in this game to the game flow, but I I think that Miami still needs to do a little bit more through the air. Um, and also, shout out to DJ Dallas, the Miami running back. Uh, Twelve carries, fifty three yards, two touchdowns. He had a pair of four yard touchdown runs, but he just has such a cool name and fun name to say. So I just wanted to say DJ Dallas because it's fun to say. And like you said, Travis Homer, good call on him too. Uh, I was really high on Mark Walton. Um, unfortunately he went down for the season a couple weeks ago and Homer's done really well in his stead. And yeah, I mean, I, I think that sort of the same way that I'm, that I'm kind of done doubting Wisconsin. We sort of talked about that too. Uh, I'm kind of done doubting Miami until we see something different. One thing I just thought of with this Miami team, how much better or how much more respect maybe do they have if they have Brad Kaya back this year, if he hadn't declared to, you know, he got cut. I believe. I think he's on the Panthers now, but he got cut by the Lions after going in the fourth round, so it really didn't work out for him. How much better do you think he probably looks as a prospect leading this team? How much better do you think this team is with him? No, I mean, that's a that's a really tempting idea because I think that that's probably the weakest part of their team, I would say. Um, I think Rozier is okay, but I, I really liked Brad Kyle last year, and I was kind of uh, kind of bummed that he declared it was sort of the same, sort of a similar situation to uh, Virginia Tech with, um, what was the quarterback's name? Gerard Evans. Yes, Gerard Evans, yes, uh, who looked fantastic uh, the season before he left, uh, declared early, and then has just since disappeared. And I hope that's not the case for Kaya because I had promised. But yeah, that's a that's a really interesting thought exercise. And I think that um, 
they would probably benefit from his his skill set and experience. And I think that, you know, solidifying the passing game would really make this team almost complete. So, yeah, should have been, would have been, you know, one of those deals, I guess. Yeah. Can't complain too much, though. They are undefeated. So, no, nah, they're cruising. Yeah, no doubt. For them. Um, another, I, I wouldn't say it's as much of a shocking result. They were favored by, I think, 16, but uh, Ohio State cruised to victory over Michigan State, 48 to 3. Um, this is kind of what I expected out of a Michigan State team. I didn't really expect them to compete with teams like Penn State and Michigan, and it seems once they didn't play in uh, monsoon-type weather, they kind of folded. <laughs> so maybe that's the key for them is that they need to play in torrential downpours every game. Um, J.K. Dobbins had a day for uh, Ohio State, as he usually does, had 18 carries for 124 yards and also caught a touchdown uh, on four catches. Mike Weber had nine carries for 162 yards, two touchdowns. One of those came on a long, long, long run. Tracy um, Barrett was efficient, 183 yards, uh, 14 for 21, two touchdowns, also 124 yards on the ground. Did have two turnovers. Um, Ohio State still looks good. They're still a quality team. Um, don't really know what happened in that Iowa game still, but um, this, this is kind of the team they are. They have a dominant rushing attack, an efficient passing attack, and a, a sound defense. So um, Ohio State still kind of proved that. They still have a shot to make to the playoff, although it'll be pretty tough for them. And when you when you run hot for one week, I have to mention it. So I hope that the listeners maybe played some of my picks from last week because I'm pretty sure, if I recall correctly, that I said that this was the ultimate spot for Ohio State. Everything was going against Michigan State here. There were so many situational factors pointing to this. Now, not necessarily a 45-point loss, but I really thought this was going to be a tough spot for Michigan State, and Ohio State really laid it on them. You, you, you outlined the running game. Um, you know, if, if Ohio State can have Dobbins and Weber, you know, clicking like this, contributing both at, you know, at different points in the game, that's going to be a really hard rushing attack to stop. And they completely smothered Michigan State's offense. You know, it, it really kind of points to maybe – the holes in Penn State's defense mm-hmm. because I think, you know, Brian Lewerke looked completely lost. I mean, it, the highlights I saw reading the box score, I mean, it is ugly. So Ohio State's defense, I don't think, like you said, I don't, I still don't really understand how what happened to them against Iowa happened. I really don't completely get it. But that's just kind of been the way that college football has gone this year. And, and especially in the Big Ten, it's been really uneven week to week. You know, teams show up sometimes, they don't show up other times we've gotten so far. Um, but, you know, Ohio State uh, still has Michigan left on the schedule, obviously. And, um, you know, they're in a decent spot. Uh, the the loss hurt, obviously. But um, it's just kind of, it's it's hard to tell what you're going to get from week to week with this team. They're, they're insanely talented and deep, obviously. But sometimes they just come out flat, and then sometimes they'll just roll Michigan State like this. So it's just kind of hard to tell. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I think, like you said, the Big Ten is just fluctuates so much week to week. Um, I think that was a really good point. Uh, another conference that's pretty similar to that is the Big 12, like we mentioned before. Uh, they had a top six matchup this week, Oklahoma and TCU. Um, Oklahoma won 38-20. Baker Mayfield, I think, you know, pretty much solidified uh, you know, being on top of the Heisman race this game. But uh, the guy I really want to touch on for Oklahoma is Rodney Anderson. Um, he's really burst onto the scene last week. He had been picking up some steam, um, how he had you know, been pretty highly touted coming out of high school and just uh, towards ACL at the start of uh, training camp the past two years. Um, but uh, I'll mention it again. 
You know, he has four straight 100-yard games. In this game, he had 23 carries, 151 yards, two touchdowns receiving, or rushing, excuse me, and then he had two touchdowns receiving also, uh, five catches, 139 yards. Um, has had three straight 100-yard rushing games before that, all with a touchdown. Um, bigger back now, he's up. Uh, he's listed at 6'2", 218. Uh, coming out of high school, he also tested uh, extremely well. Um, he was only 205 coming out of high school, so he's put on some rape. From weight, but he ran a four six three forty, uh, and also had a three nine seven uh, shuttle time, which is elite for um, someone coming out of high school. If you can break under four coming out of college, that's also um, you know considered elite. And he's up to two hundred eighteen pounds and can still move like that. It still shows on film. Also a thirty seven inch vertical. Um, so a guy that's extremely athletic, starting to put up numbers, starting to you know take over the lion's share of that work in that backfield. Uh, our guy Trey Sermon has really been uh, dipping, uh, losing some touches, might be fading down the stretch as his freshman year goes on. I expect him to still get some work. But um, Anderson was probably the most impressive player in the country this week, not just in this game, I'd say. Um, to put up those kind of numbers against the number uh, six team in the country, super impressive. Um, so now another weapon uh, in that backfield for Oklahoma, who I think um, kind of starting to also solidify themselves uh, at the top of the Big 12 and probably in the playoff picture too with the way the Big 10 is looking. I think um, the Big 12 probably has a decent shot at getting in if Oklahoma wins out, say Ohio State wins the Big 10, they knocked off uh, them pretty soundly. So um, thanks for looking up for Anderson, like I said, Baker Mayfield, and Oklahoma as a whole. Yeah, um, you know, you hit on all those good points with Rodney Anderson. Like you said, he was probably the most dominant player in the country this week. And it really takes a lot to take the spotlight away from Baker Mayfield just because he he just seems to garner it every single week. And he still did Baker Mayfield things, you know, 333 yards, three touchdowns, no interceptions, almost 15 yards um, per attempt. So he was doing his normal thing. But like you said, Rodney Anderson just, you know, dominated the offense for the Sooners. And I, I like your I liked your point, too, about Trey Sermon. I think that it's probably likely that he is sort of hitting like this freshman wall. You know, sometimes that's a cliche, but I think that sometimes it is a real thing. And I still really like him long-term. He's still super young, obviously. And to me has the look of, of a future feature back. Um, say that three times fast, but um, I still like Trey Sermon. And like you said, I think that the coaching staff will probably recognize what's going on if that is the case. And they'll still cycle him in um, here and there to spell Anderson probably. But I think that we can probably uh, anticipate seeing a similar workload going forward for Anderson. And um, I just speak at Oklahoma's schedule. We have Kansas this week, which, you know, assuming apocalyptic breakdown, they should be Kansas. And then they have tough one. Yeah, yeah. And then they have uh, they had WVU at home to close out the season. So, I mean, that could be a little bit tricky. But, you know, the way that they've looked recently, I can easily see them winning out um, and push for playoff and potentially a national championship. So, you know. Don't ever don't bet. I think that's kind of what, what the takeaway should be. I think we said that on last week's pod. Uh, it's kind of a tough game to call um, before the game, and I think we both kind of, you know, sort of agree that it's tough to go against Baker Mayfield at this point. Mm-hmm. And if they win this week, they clinch a spot in the Big Twelve title game. Um, so it's going to come down to TCU, Oklahoma State, and West Virginia. Uh, Oklahoma State plays Texas this week, I believe. Um, or, excuse me, they play Kansas State, Texas, West Virginia. So those are two kind of tough games. Um, I'm pulling up uh, TCU schedule as well. Um, but uh, unfortunately, Iowa State out of the mix. America's team, that. yeah. 
America's team's done. Uh, so West Virginia plays Oklahoma after game. I assume they'd lose. Uh, or Texas. I assume they'd lose again. Um, TCU uh, has Texas Tech and Baylor left. Two games that aren't uh, easy by any stretch, but they should win. Um, and TCU has the tiebreaker, I believe, over all those teams. It's listed that way. I know Oklahoma State, or no, they knocked off Oklahoma State. So um, could see a rematch of this game potentially in a couple weeks. Again, in the Big 12 title game, um, which would be something I'm looking forward to. Neutral site. Um, I think TCU can probably compete with this team. The defense is still still pretty good, I think. To uh, They shut out Oklahoma in the second half. So not a lot of teams can do that. Um, and then heading back up to the Big Ten, um, Wisconsin, like I mentioned before, got their first uh, win over a ranked team this week. Uh, they knocked off Iowa 38-14, uh, so that bodes well, I guess, for when they play Ohio State in the Big Ten championship game because of how well Iowa did against uh, Ohio State. I guess that means they're going to do super well. Um, Nathan Stanley, uh, coming off that great performance last week, was um, not, not quite as good. He was 8-for-24 uh, for 41 yards and an interception. Um, so not, not nearly as well as he did last week. Uh, Jonathan Taylor continued his dominating stretch, uh, of this whole season, basically had 29 carries for 157 yards, no touchdowns this game, but, um, that's all right. They still rolled, um, Alex Hornibrook, who's kind of the main concern I would think for Wisconsin, um, was efficient, I guess you could say he had three interceptions, but he was 11 for 18 for 135 yards and two touchdowns. Um, and I think for Iowa, the only thing to note is that uh, Akram Wadley and James Butler split carries evenly. I didn't watch any of this game. Um, uh, I think we have mentioned him before. I think we might have mentioned him briefly, but James Butler uh, transferred from Nevada this year. He was a grad transfer um, who's been extremely productive the past two years, over 1,300 yards and touchdowns. Um, he's kind of a bigger back, uh, the thunder to uh, Wadley's lightning. So I, I didn't catch any of this game. I don't know if I banged up or what. Um, but a little surprised to see that. Um, but overall, not a ton to take away for this game for me, but it was certainly Iowa's best one of the season. Yeah, it's... Or Wisconsin, excuse me. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, it's it's never it's never a good thing when the only points you score come, come via pick sixes. Um, you know, Joshua Jackson, cornerback uh, for Iowa, is making millions of dollars every single week. His bank account is just theoretically exploding with his play because he's just, it's been an insane run for him. And he's, he is literally the only Iowa Hawkeye to score a touchdown in this game. He did it twice. Uh, just a, just an ugly, ugly outing for Iowa's offense. Um, they were in a, you know, they were kind of in a similar spot to Michigan state, I think coming off a big win going on the road against Wisconsin. So this was a tough ask for them, I think. Um, but, you know, Wisconsin is, you know, just they just keep doing their thing. They're beating the teams in front of them. Um, we've talked at length about their strength of schedule on this podcast, and this was the first step in, I guess, rectifying that situation, you could say. Um, I think Iowa is, you know, they're 6-4, and four, but they're a quality team. Uh, they, you know, um, they obviously didn't have enough to beat Wisconsin on the road, but you know, Wisconsin, you know, they're, they're legit. And, and I'm all aboard the Jonathan Taylor for Heisman train. You, you mentioned it a couple weeks ago and it's, it's pretty incredible what he's doing at such a young age. So I'm um, just wanted to, you know, throw my hat in that ring. I'm, I'm all for him being at the ceremony at the very least. Yeah. I would think, uh, I mean, Bryce Love had another great game this week, but I think he's kind of started to catch up to Bryce Love a little bit, at least in terms of, you know, being the best running back. I think him and, 
uh, Mayfield, those three kind of should be probably the, I don't know, necessarily the only guys in New York. I, I feel like they'll take a little more this year. I feel like you can't not put Barkley in New York just because of how much IP got. You at least have him on TV. I think that would be beneficial for them. Um, but I think those three are kind of the only three that really uh, their play is deserving of it right now. Um, and Oklahoma, you know, say they struggled on the stretch. Um, Wisconsin goes undefeated. And Taylor continues his dominant run. It's, it's not out of their own possibility at all, which is pretty amazing. Um, the next two teams we're going to talk about both uh, squeaked one out this week, so to speak. Um, Alabama had to rally going into the fourth quarter to knock off uh, Mississippi State 31-24. Uh, Mississippi State had a, a couple plays that I was, uh, I guess, interested by. That they, they had a uh, a fourth and they had a penalty on fourth down to move them into a fourth and one spot uh, where they ended up kicking a field goal. But if they had gone for it, they could have gotten a big touchdown uh, on that drive and gotten momentum. And then uh, they had a penalty at the end of the game on their um, Hail Mary attempt, got another untimed down, and Nick Fitzgerald just chucked it right out of the back of the end zone. So I guess he showed off his arm strength for some NFL scouts, <laughs> but didn't really help his team at all. Um, he, he was good. This He was solid this game. Um, 13 for 24, 158 yards. Also had 66 yards on the ground and a touchdown. Damian Harris uh, was was great for Alabama. 93 uh, yards on just eight carries and a touchdown. Calvin Ridley was really um, the guy for both teams this game. Stood out uh, five catches, 171 yards, which I believe was a season high. Yep, first game over 100 yards this year. Uh, no touchdowns. Um, just looking at his game log, he only has two touchdowns this year, which I'm – I'm really surprised by. Um, he has increased his yards per catch a lot, and we know he's a deep threat, which I'm glad to see that go up over 10 yards per carry, or 10 yards per catch, excuse me, but two touchdowns. Uh, I know Alabama has a pretty deep receiving core, but a lot of those guys are freshmen, um, and they have a deep running core as well. So, I mean, um, that also you know affects when they get inside the, in the 20, but um, a little surprised by that. Um, is this Alabama's best win of the season up to this point? I, I mean, uh, you can't say that. I mean, I know Florida State was a, supposed to be their best win, but I think I think this is probably their best win. It was certainly their, their toughest competition they played, and it, it was a tight game. I mean, last week against LSU was also pretty close, but um, well, pretty close, relatively speaking, for Bama. But, um, you know, the past two weeks, they, they haven't been all that impressive, which they're going to be number one this week, but a little little shaky i would say yeah we've kind of mentioned their schedule as well before and i would agree with you i think that you know this win against mississippi state is probably the most impressive if only for the fact that it was on the road uh i i think that this win and the win against lsu are kind of on par with each other considering the 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 circumstances um and then like you said florida state has you know pretty much busted um they beat Texas A&M by eight. Uh, they handled Fresno State, who might be their fourth best win. Fresno, um, mm-hmm. Fresno is is actually pretty legit. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I mean there there's an argument to be made there as well. And you know, kind of going back to Calvin Ridley, I'm glad you brought him up too because I think that I'm actually a little bit lower or maybe a lot lower on Calvin Ridley than most people as far as Dynasty is concerned. Um, He turns 23 in December, just about a month from now. And um, 
you know, age is not the only thing that matters as far as prospects are concerned. We know that, but you do have to consider the you do have to consider age, especially when we're talking about um, production, age as production. And when we look at Calvin Ridley's um, stats, um, you know, he he exploded as a true freshman, but he also wasn't an eighteen-year-old true freshman. So we have to things you know in relative terms. And I don't think necessarily that he's going to be an absolute bust. That's not what I'm saying, but um, you know, he's kind of had a down year this year. Like you said, most of his competition for targets and catches are young and experienced. It was pretty much his, you know, he was the guy coming back this year. Second year with Jalen Hurts as a starter. He's kind of underperformed. Um, but I think that, you know, you mentioned his speed, which everyone's going to love. He's probably going to test well at the Combine as well. So maybe none of this will matter. But I'm uh, just glad that you brought up Calvin Ridley briefly there. And like you said, Damian Harris looked really good. I'm, I'm really starting to like him. Each week goes by, he you know he's still getting small amount of touches, and I know that I pointed that out before. How typically Alabama running backs go into the NFL with a ton of carries on their resume, perhaps beat up a little bit physically. Uh, Eddie Lacy, uh, you know uh, Derrick Henry, although he's you know he's still doing all right. But I think it's, it's it's good that Harris doesn't have that huge amount of workload, and I really like him as a prospect. Um, and he's starting to show it now. He's being really efficient with his touches. He's he's been efficient all year. So I really like what Alabama has there. Um, they have a tough you know, they have a tough stretch. Uh, well, not stretch, I should say, but they'll have Auburn at the end, uh, last game, like we mentioned, and then whoever comes out of the East, probably Georgia. So things are not sewn up for Bama yet. I still think they do have some holes, um, but. You know, unbeaten name recognition. I would assume that they'll be number one. Um, actually, those rankings, yeah, tomorrow, whenever they come out tomorrow. So, um, yeah. So, I mean, Alabama's in a in a good place right now. Yeah, um, I'm just a little bit more with Ridley. Um, I'm going through. Uh, he has a .25 dominator rating this year, .26 last year. Um, coming out of high school, he ran a four six five, um, which is good but um i think he needs to probably run sub four five i would say since i don't know if he'll get over 200 pounds he's listed at 190 right now so probably even a little less than 190 um had a 28 inch vert which isn't great and he, he's old so i mean i have him ranked i think as my number 11 receiver right now which is a lot lower than where almost everyone else has him and i think he, he probably is one of the most overrated prospects coming into this year's draft, I would say. Um, I don't know if I'd consider him like a second or third round pick at this point, and he's getting top hype as a you know top 15 type player. I just really don't see it with him. Well, that makes me feel safe in this little bubble that we're in now because um, I felt like I was way, way lower on him, and it, you just laid it out right there, all those points you hit on. I just don't quite see it. You know, I... I, I hear and see a lot on Twitter about his route running um, and his downfield speed, quote unquote, on film. Um, you know, we need to see it in time tested drills. Um, so, you know, time will tell there. But I, I definitely think that there are, you know, red flags as far as really is concerned as a prospect. Yeah. Um, and his dominator rating has decreased every year since his freshman year. So yes. it's not like he's getting more productive as as time goes along. Um, Which is shocking. Yeah, yeah for um, sure. Probably two wide receivers that I like more than him played in this other game we're going to talk about. Uh, Oklahoma State knocked off America's team, Iowa State, 49-42. Um, 
it was a, a jump ball in the end zone that got ruled uh, as an Oklahoma State interception right as the game ended. Uh, I don't remember who the exact receiver was for uh, Iowa State. I think it might have been Matthew Eaton uh, that you know went up after the game. He started or after the game he started going off on Twitter about the call. Was a little upset he didn't get the call going his way um, for a touchdown. But this was a good game all around. Uh, I caught some of this game. Um, Justice Hill, um, you know we've talked about him a good amount on the show. Uh, he he had a great game for Oklahoma State. Twenty five carries, hundred thirty four yards three touchdowns up to almost 1,200 yards on the year and 12 touchdowns. Also had six catches in this game up to 24 on the year. Um, he's a, he's just a sophomore, so not eligible, but a back who I think in uh, that class, which probably um, at least coming out of high school, like the cl- that class coming out of high school uh, won't wasn't as good as, uh, you know, this year's running back class or the uh, 2019 class, like we've been talking about, of true freshmen. Um, so depending who comes back, he could end up being a, a top five to ten back next year. James Washington just had one catch this game, but Alan Lazard uh, had nine catches for 126 yards and two touchdowns for Iowa State. Um, he's 6'5", 222 pounds, uh, so a big receiver who's been extremely productive all four of his years in college. Um, a guy who I think should test pretty well, too. Um, now he's not super productive, but with the, the height, and I believe he's pretty young as well, at least definitely younger than Calvin Ridley, which isn't saying much, but still uh, pretty young. Um, he's a guy who I think a little underrated right now. I think he's probably a, a top 10 uh, receiver class. Um, yeah, he was 6'5", 208 pounds coming out of high school, ran a 4'6", So um, for comparison, like I said, Ridley ran a 4'6", and Ridley did that at uh, 6'1", 169 pounds. So um, pretty big difference there. And also had a 36-inch vertical jump. So a guy who I like a good amount. Um, I think it shows on his film, too. Solid route runner. Definitely that jump ball type receiver. Um, I think he could also be a good fit as kind of a big slot receiver in the NFL, which I don't see get thrown around a lot. But I think he could kind of fit in that uh, in that vein as well. And for Iowa State, um, one other note, uh, their quarterback, Kyle Kemp, got a little banged up in this game. So uh, Zeb Noland. Um, <laughs> quite the name, came in, never heard of him before, was 17 for 28, um, had 263 yards, which I guess is a little concerning if you're Oklahoma State, um, that Zeb Nolan threw for 263 yards on you, but um, yeah, that, def- that defense has got to get in shape, but overall, this, this was a pretty entertaining game to watch, um, one of the better ones of the day, I think. Yeah, and two more quick things to, to add on to that, um, you, you mentioned Kyle Kemp going down, I'm just cruising through the box score, and I see that Joel Lanning took the long way around and time is actually a flat circle. And Joel Lanning is proof because he went from, (laughs) he went from court. How many years ago was that when he was starting quarterback last year, last year to starting middle linebacker to, and I don't even know what this play looked like. If this was a, an under center snap or if it was some kind of trick play, I have no idea, but he's showing a one for one for 22 yards and a touchdown. With for a six hundred and fourteen point eight QB rating out of this world, so congratulations to Joel Lanning for making it back. Uh, that's the fifth guy going to New York. Yeah, right. Right. I mean, that's got to be a record. But yeah, so congratulations to him. That's kind of a kind of a cool, fun story. Um, and also for Iowa State, a guy that I've talked about and written about a lot is their running back David Montgomery. Um, P. Uh, Pro Football Focus's metrics love. David Montgomery, I, he he is crushing there. I, I, it's either missed tackles or tackles evaded metric. Um, 
I thought I saw a tweet earlier today saying he has the most uh, of any running back since they've been recording the stat uh, in a single season. And when you watch him on film, when you when you get to watch him, uh, he's just extremely shifty. Love his running style. He's a decent receiver. He caught six passes for 44 yards in this game. Um, scored three touchdowns on the ground. Uh, Montgomery and Hill are both sophomores and are two of my favorite prospects from that class as far as the running backs are concerned. Uh, both will be coming back next year and both will likely be in my top five for that class, assuming uh, no you know, major injuries or anything like that. So uh, really like David Montgomery. And, you know, you hit on Justice Hill. He's he's my guy, too. Mm-hmm. Uh, before we get into this week's slate of games, which uh, unfortunately isn't nearly as good as uh, last week's, I just want to take a minute to talk about draft. Uh, if you guys love fantasy football, then you need to try uh, draft. Here's how it works. You do a draft that lasts for just one week and there's no management. All you have to do is set it and forget it. And once you're done drafting, there's no trades. There's no waiver wire. They even take care of last-minute entries for you. Um, drafts are starting every couple minutes. You can join one right now. And the best part is you get to play for cold, hard cash. Uh, drafts are starting from just $1, so there's a draft for everybody. No salary caps. You get to play in a real-life snake draft, just like you play with your friends in all your season-long leagues. So if you want to come join us on drafts today, you can download the app at any time. You just got to search draft in your app store, and then you can join a game in minutes. Or you can join from your computer on playdraft.com. And for a limited time, all new players will get a free entry into a draft when you make your first deposit. All you have to do is use our promo code RVRADIO. So you get to play a real money game for free just using that promo code RV Radio on your first deposit. Uh, as long as you search draft in the app store, go to playdraft.com. And you get to play for free with uh, that promo code, which is RV Radio again. Um, so like I mentioned, uh, this week's slate of games isn't the best. Um, it's uh, There's no ranked matchups. Um, we had to dig a little deep. We're going to be getting into some deeper prospects that we haven't touched on today, which is always good. Um, first game up that we're going to talk about is Michigan traveling to Wisconsin, who's a seven and a half point favorite at home. Uh, I'm a little surprised by this line. I think Wisconsin maybe should be favored by a little bit more just because of what their defense has shown and what uh, Michigan's offense has kind of shown. Um, Jonathan Taylor, um, this is his toughest test yet. I think against the Michigan defense, that's, uh, one of the, one of the better ones in the country. Um, so this should be an intriguing matchup from that point of view. Um, other than that, I don't have a lot to touch on this game. Uh, if you want to talk about Karan Higdon, you have him highlighted here. I'm not a huge Karan Higdon fan. I know he has been uh, put, piling up numbers the past couple of weeks. Um, so I'm interested to kind of hear your thoughts on him. Um, I know he got he, he got hurt in their game this weekend. I uh, don't know if they're kind of trying to save him for, for this week's game or what. But um, hopefully he can suit up because otherwise it's going to be kind of a challenging contest for Michigan, I think. Yeah, I, I'm kind of with you as far as Hayden as a prospect. I'm not overly hot on him. Um, he just he's he kind of stepped up into the lead back role over the couple over the last few games, excuse me, and has ten touchdowns on the year, 854 yards. So I mean, he's you know he's kind of kept the Michigan offense you know functioning. Um, Brandon Peters has come in at quarterback and has done pretty good in the season, but Higgins kind of been the guy. Ty Isaac, the other running back that was rotating in and out, is also injured. And it's a good point bringing up that Higdon is also injured. And as of right now, I think it's he's kind of questionable to play against Wisconsin. So, you know, if Michigan Michigan was probably going to struggle regardless, like you said, they need all the help they can get on that front. So Higdon's stats will probably be a pretty uh, – not, not, you know, not a ton to say about Higdon, just that he's kind of stepped up and healthy for Michigan. Um, and as far as, as, far as game, 
interesting line because I feel like I actually feel like the line is close to be accurate. Um, you know, I, I think that Michigan's defense, I think that Michigan's defense can cause problems for Alex Hornibrook and Wisconsin's passing game. Now, I think they can also kind of help for Jonathan Taylor. Um, I think he'll probably still get his numbers. Uh, it's, a, it's, a, it's a tough game to pick. I think I'm actually going to Michigan with the spread being over seven. Uh, we have a seven and a half right now. So I'll take Michigan plus seven and a half on the road, but I don't feel real great about it. I think it's probably like a game. Um, so I, in, a, in, a, in a matchup of good to really good Big Ten teams late in the year, uh, I'll take the team getting the touchdown um, on the road. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, I, I could definitely see it happening. I'm just, I haven't been a big believer in Michigan all year, so that's kind of why I went with uh, Wisconsin. Um, we did just talk about Oklahoma State. We're going to bring them up again. They're playing Kansas State this week, like I mentioned before. Um, they're favored by 21 at home. Um, Kansas State's defense has been, they've been solid this year, probably one of the better ones in the Big 12. They've only given up more than uh, 30 points in regulation once. Uh, they did give up. 42 to Texas Tech in overtime. Uh, they gave up 42 to Oklahoma, which is the only time they've done that. They were able to hold TCU to 26 points, West Virginia to 28 this week. Um, they seem to play most of their games pretty tight, um, with the exception of that uh, TCU game, which they lost by 20. Uh, most of their other games that they've lost are uh, one-score games. Every other game, actually, they've lost is a one-score game, and most of their wins are by you know, 10 points or fewer, uh, with the exception of a couple cupcakes. Um so 21 does seem a little big. However, I just don't think this team is that great overall. Um, they're, they're allowing uh, about almost 50 yards more uh, per game than they're they're putting up, um, which is kind of odd. Their point differential is only plus eight. Um, so they're five and five, but it seems like they're getting a little lucky. However, um, I do think they might be able to contain Oklahoma State a little bit. 21 does seem a little high. Um, I'll, I'll take Kansas State plus the points just because uh, Oklahoma State has played a couple close games. You know, they they snuck one out against Texas. Uh, West Virginia, they only won by 11. Iowa State only won by 7. So uh, defense might be getting a little tired as the season winds down. Um It'll be on that offense to put up points, which I don't think they'll have a problem doing, but 21 seems a little bit high for me, so I'm going to take Oklahoma State. Those are all really good points, and I am in agreement with you as well. I think that the spread is a little bit too big. I will, I do expect Oklahoma State to win this game, but I think it's closer to the touchdowns. Um, like you said, the only the only conference team they beat by more than 20 by more than 21 points was Baylor, uh, 15-16, and I, I do think that Kansas State is a better team than Baylor in just about every way. Um, and they're a lot more disciplined under Bill Snyder. So I think that Kansas State kind of the, is a kind of team that's it's cliche, but they're not yet generally going to beat themselves. Um, the, the style of offense they run, as long as they can put first down together, can really kind of drain the clock. And uh, with a spread this big, um, I'm going to side with Kansas State getting the 21. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're going to stick in the big for our next game. Well, this is actually going to be the last Power 5 game we preview this week. So... Uh, this should be this should be interesting going forward. Um, we're, Texas is traveling to West Virginia, who's a three and a half point favorite at home. And Texas is five and five this year. They're four and three in the Big Twelve. West Virginia is seven and three. Um, they are sorry uh, five and two in the Big Twelve. Um, they, West Virginia, uh, their passing attack is really the, their main focus. I know we've touched on kind of all the players a little bit this year. Um, Will Greer, who I like, uh, has been efficient for them. Um, David Sills, who we've touched on a little bit as well, leading the nation in touchdowns. 
has 18 touchdowns this year, um, a .33 touchdown rate, .38 dominator rating. And they have other receivers too, which is um, who have put up big numbers. He's only their third leading receiver with uh, 856 yards. So for him to put high of a dominator rating is really impressive. Uh, Gary Jennings, their leading receiver, has 82 catches, but uh, just one touchdown. So um, putting up a almost like a Zay Jones-type-esque line, uh, how he did that last year. And Corral White has 10 touchdowns with 970 yards, so probably a little bit lower of a dominator rating. I'm not going to crush them, but probably something over 0.3. Um, Justin Crawford's been solid for them this year. I think he's a guy that can maybe latch on as a undrafted free agent and stick around with the team and make an impact, similar to maybe a guy like Corey Clement kind of carve out that kind of role with an NFL team. Um, I like this West Virginia team. Texas does have a really good defense. Um, I just don't know if they're going to be able to keep up with West Virginia, especially at home. So I'll take West Virginia uh, minus three and a half. But I think this should probably be uh, a competitive game. Um, this is one that I'll probably end up watching a good amount of. Yeah, this spread makes it really difficult to pick this game for me. Just looking at what Texas has done this year, um, they lost to Virginia Tech in the opening game by seven. They lost at TCU by seven, and they lost to Oklahoma State by eleven. So, uh, three their three losses come uh, have come to pretty good teams, and they've been relatively close. They've been a really good covering football team this year, as far as betting the spreads are concerned. Um, I I really don't have a very strong lean one way or the other here. I I think that. I think that West Virginia will probably be able to score on their defense. Like you said, Texas does have a good defense, but um, David Zills has been a touchdown, you know, a touchdown gatherer this year, like you said, uh, scoring a touchdown on 33% of his catches. Um, so, I mean, I, I think that I'm going to go with West Virginia laying uh, the three and a half, but I really, I could easily see Texas winning this by six, seven, um, it just kind of all depends on how well their defense travels and they've been a really good covering football team, but I'll, I'll still go West Virginia minus three and a half here, but don't have a very strong feeling on it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think that kind of perfectly sums up both of our feelings with that, how this game should be pretty competitive. Um, next game up we're going to talk about, I think this might be the first non power five game we're previewing, previewing during the regular season, which is always something I enjoy. Um, SMU traveling to Memphis. Uh, Memphis is 11 and a half point favorites at home. Um, two coaches who I think could both be in uh, new places next year. Uh, Chad Morris at SMU. He was the offensive coordinator at Clemson when Taj Boyd was there. Um, and then Mike Norvell, uh, I believe he came over. Uh, he was Arizona State's wide receiver coach. And I think he went to Texas and was the offensive coordinator. I might be thinking of Jay Norvell. Not totally sure. Um, but Either way, both these teams have been uh, doing pretty well this year. SMU is 6-4. Uh, just a couple years ago, they were 1-11, I believe. I believe that was two years ago. They've really turned things around with guys like Cortland Sutton coming in. And uh, Memphis is 8-1 this year. Um, so they've certainly been – they're number 22 in the country, so they've been doing well this year uh, as as they have last year as well. Um, for – SMU, excuse me. Their uh, leading receiver is actually not Cortland Sutton, who I know we've talked a good amount about, but it's actually um, Trey Quinn. Uh, Quinn was a—he's a transfer from LSU. He transferred there last year. He was a pretty highly touted prospect coming out. Uh, I believe he was a top five to ten wide receiver um, when he transferred, um, but he's finally kind of putting up numbers this year. He's a redshirt junior, 90, 96 catches already. Um, 
just over a thousand yards, eight touchdowns. Um, so kind of interesting to see him uh, put up numbers at a place like SMU. He has a 0.32 dominator rating. Um, so I think he's somebody who has um, an outside chance to kind of be one of those possession type receivers for a uh, maybe like a subpar team in the NFL who is, like, kind of lacks a lot of wide receiver depth, like if he was on the Bears right now or something like that. I can see him putting up big fantasy numbers. Um, but yeah, this game is kind of really all about the, if you are looking for wide receivers, um, I'd watch this game because Sutton, um, as we as most of you guys probably know, is, is a beast. And then Anthony Miller as well on Memphis is a guy who I also think is, is pretty underrated. Um, He's been really productive this year. I like him a lot. I think he's probably a top 10 receiver in this class for me. So um, in terms of the game, I'll probably think I'm going to take SMU to cover. I think this game's going to be a shootout. I think just 11 and a half, um, you know, doesn't totally indicate that. I could see Memphis pulling away. It is at home. I don't know a ton about these two teams' defenses. I'll take SMU. Um, just think Chad Morris helped them put up points, but not, not a game I'd really bet on. Yeah, so I'll 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 give you some Excellent. some numbers here. According to S and P Plus, um, SMU ranks one hundred and eighth in defensive S and P Plus. Um, yeah, Memphis ranks ninetieth in S and P Plus. Uh, so the over under right now is seventy five and a half points, um, <laughs> which as crazy high as that over under <laughs> is, um, I'm not necessarily convinced that it will hit the under. I think that there's going to be a, uh, uh, an, an explosion of points in this game, I think, is probably what we should expect. Um, both teams have really good offenses, like you, like, um, all the pieces for SMU, and you hit on Anthony Miller as well. Um, this should just be kind of one of those crazy back and forth uh, shootout type games. And in those situations, I generally take the teams, especially if they're getting double digit points, if I think it's going to be high scoring, um, I. I'm also going to take SMU on the road. Uh, I could see this, you know, coming down to whoever has the ball last, quite honestly. And if, you know, if you're a fan of promising wide receiver talent, just definitely make sure, try and catch some of this game because Cortland Sutton and Anthony Miller are almost assuredly future NFL players. And Trey Quinn, like you said, I think could probably carve out a role in the right situation. So, there's actually going to be a good amount of talent on the field in this game. So uh, on a kind of weak Saturday slate, uh, if, if y'all are watch or looking for a game to watch, definitely give this one a chance. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think this will just be an entertaining game. Um, and speaking of coaches with new jobs last net for next year, uh, the one the last game we're going to preview is uh, FIU traveling to FAU. Uh, I think everybody knows who FAU's coach is and. They'll probably be searching for a new coach next year after uh, the season. But for FAU, um, Devin Singletary has been a guy I noticed playing college fantasy who is an absolute beast. He was good last year. Uh, he, he's had 12 touchdowns and uh, a little over 1,000 yards, and he also got 26 passes. Uh, this year, kind of sad I didn't get him. He already has 22 touchdowns, uh, over 1,300 yards, and 16 catches. Um, 5'9", 200 pounds, so little bit of a smaller back but he's a guy who just puts up huge numbers um kiffin has been great for him with that offense they're they're a power running game um who kind of throws when they have to um i've been really impressed with him um willie wright their leading receiver is a true freshman um he's he's 5'8 177 pounds so um not typically the kind of receiver i look at but for a true freshman to come in um 
with a coach like uh, Kiffin and immediately get playing time for a guy who knows talent like he does. I think that says something. Um, and then the other guy for FAU who I like the amount is DeAndre McNeil. McNeil uh, transferred from Texas last year. Um, he's a pretty highly touted recruit. He's 6'1", 215 pounds. Um, hasn't played the last two games. Not sure if he'll play. Um this game or not uh but he started off the year pretty hot had four had uh looks to be about a little over 250 yards in his first three games and two touchdowns um so guy who i think could be a borderline nfl prospect if he stays healthy and continues um you know putting up numbers but fau's in first place in conference usa and i think they're a team that could end up getting to 10 wins this year um which is spectacular for them um i'm gonna take them uh Plus minus fourteen and a half at home, excuse me, and uh, yeah, I mean I might tune into this game a little bit just to kind of see them because I haven't uh, really had a chance to watch any of them, so uh, I'm excited for that. I think they're they're a good team, so glad to see them uh, kind of succeeding. Yeah, Singletary's a really interesting guy. Uh, he's, he's a sophomore, true sophomore. Uh, last year as a freshman, he broke a thousand yards, twelve touchdowns. He's obviously twenty two touchdowns this year, thirteen hundred yards. So, and he's a he's a capable pass catcher as well. He has 42 career receptions in 22 games, which isn't crazy, but it shows that he's a capable pass catcher, which is important. He's another guy who's, you know, in that in that um, that 2019 class who could end up sneaking up rankings. Um, and uh, what I wanted to touch on the other side is Florida International's wide receiver Thomas Owens. He's a guy I actually wrote about last week uh, over on Rotoviz. Just a quick blurb about, um, you know, he's six foot one, 198, so he's kind of in that tweener-ish size, not necessarily a, a prototypical outside NFL wide receiver, maybe more of a slot guy. Um, but as a freshman, he put up a 0.29 dominator rating, which is pretty good. Uh, next season, 0.30. And up this season, he has a 0.46 dominator rating, which is really impressive. Uh, just to bear that out, he uh, is sitting at 887 yards this year. Um, has hovered around the 600-yard mark for his first two seasons. So not a really big raw statistical guy, but has dominated a pretty large of his team's receiving yards and touchdowns um, since since coming to Florida International in 2015. So he's a guy that I don't necessarily know where he falls as far as an NFL prospect, but he's been really efficient this year, um, has been pretty. So he's another guy worth highlighting, I think, in a spot. Um, this is another game that I don't have a great feel for. Um, kind of keeping with the theme, I think I'm going to take the dog because I'm a dog better mostly. Um, so I'll take FIU getting the 14 and a half, but like you said, um, it, you know, it's definitely in the realm of possibility that Lane Kiffin, you know, runs the score up, um, and they have the offensive firepower to do so, but I'll go FIU, uh, plus 14 and a half on the road. Yep. Um, so that's going to do it for all our previews for this week. Um, you briefly kind of teased your uh, your upset pick before. <laughs> if you want to get into that one, I know you're pretty excited for uh, – uh, I don't want to give the team away, but you're, you seem pretty excited about this team. So, Yeah, I'm, I'm not necessarily excited about the team, but I think that, again – when, when I go through the uh, when I go through the lines when we're picking our upset picks for each pod, I try and find um, I'm, I'm more looking for situational spots. Um, and I think that you know clearly, clearly, the more talented team in this matchup. No offense to UL Monroe, but um, they're outclassing. Um, it is at Auburn, uh, so you know I'm definitely not advising anyone to take the money line necessarily. If you do, do not put too much money on it. But 
I think that 36 points is a pretty big line. I think that Auburn, you know, they will say all the right things this week. They'll say we're playing UL Monroe. That's all we're thinking about. But there's a team that wears red that they have next week um, that, you know, is going to kind of define their season, to be quite honest. Uh, The Iron Bowl is always a big deal. Assuming Auburn wins and Alabama wins this week, it's going to be a huge deal next week. So I think this is a potential look-ahead sandwich coming down off of a big win game. That's the most hyphens in the entire world. Um, But I just think that UL Monroe might be able to keep it a little bit closer than this. So uh, I'll take them on the road, getting 36 points. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm going to steal your pick from last week, which ended up covering. Uh, shout out to you. Yes. Army Army did beat Duke. Um, they're 8-2 and two on the year now. Uh, I'm going to take them. They're plus three at North Texas. Um, North Texas is ranked higher in S&P Plus. They've been solid this year. They're 7-3. and three. Um, their defense, however, is ranked ninety uh, second in the nation. They're, they have solid offense, but I think uh, Army's going to be able to slow slow the game down, uh, considering they've thrown one pass in the past two weeks. I think they'll be capable of doing that. Um, so that might be a game I end up tuning into. I don't know if I, I don't know if it's even on TV or not, but two high flying offenses, I guess. <laughs> North Texas is a high flying offense. Army is the exact opposite of that, um, but they're a team that can put up points and yards. So it should be like an interesting, um, I guess, offensive uh, philosophy type matchup. That's um, I full. Well, I just wanted to say I fully endorse this pick, and I'm a little bit confused because this feels this feels identical to last week. And I would, I mean, would you agree that Duke is better than North Texas? I, I would, but it's also yeah. So so how is this happening? I, I don't know. I mean, they're, I'm, they're I'm first place at Conference USA, so we could be getting a. Uh, you know, we might be getting a North Texas versus FAU type matchup. So, I mean, um, <laughs> in, in their championship game, I, 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 I don't know who Army, North Texas is playing, yeah. who they've beaten. I, I could name, I don't think I can name anyone on their team. I know they had a receiver last year. I think he graduated, but yeah, I don't know. They, I mean, they gave up, I'm looking at their schedule here. Um, they gave up 69 points to FAU. They gave up 45 to UTEP last week. Um, Army can put up points, and if, as long as they get their looks to be as long as they can stop the the Mean Greens offense, I think they should be okay. And if they held Duke in check, I think they'll be fine with that. So this feels like another wrong team is favored situation, perhaps because I, I thought the same thing about Army against Duke last week. So I, I definitely like this pick a lot. Maybe we should just bet Army every week. It's maybe, maybe that's the move. Starting to feel that way, man. But that's uh. That's going to do it for this week's uh, college football show. Uh, for Jordan, on tw- he's on Twitter again at uh, jhoover9787. And again, I'm Kyle on Twitter at kylepollockff. And thanks a lot for tuning in. See you next week. Take care, everyone. Thank you for listening to the College Football Show, a Rotoviz Radio podcast. Our executive producer is Matthew Freeman. Please rate and review the Rotoviz Radio podcast on iTunes or your favorite podcast app. Contact us via email at rotovizradio at gmail.com. And follow us on Twitter at rotovizradio. And remember, you can always get the podcast and subscribe to Rotoviz on discount through the Rotoviz Radio homepage, rotoviz.com/podcast. This episode is brought to you by Decoy Wines of Sonoma, California.
As you gather with family and friends this summer, experience the best of wine country with Decoy by Duckhorn. Winemaker Tyson Wolf spends every vintage focused on harvesting grapes and crafting wines from the finest vineyards. Whether it's our flagship Cabernet or crisp and refreshing Rosé, Decoy has just the wine for your discerning taste. Ask for us at your local wine shop or visit decoywines.com slash celebrate to locate our wines near you. Whether you're firing up the grill, hosting an alfresco get-together, or enjoying the warm summer nights, let Decoy by Duckhorn elevate your occasion. Your home is important. That's why GEICO helps make it easy to save on condo insurance. Because home is more than just a place. Home is where you took minimalism too far because there's only one chair in your entire condo and your only entertainment is one card. Not even a deck of cards, but a single card. And all your guests have to share one plate and one fork, but you're convinced that less stuff means more freedom. The GEICO Insurance Agency could help protect the overly minimalist broom closet you call home. Call GEICO and see how easy it is to switch and save on condo insurance. Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran, Marvelous Marvin Hagler, and Thomas Hearns. Legends, whose four-way rivalry defined one of the greatest eras in boxing history. Relive their decade of dominance in the new Showtime sports documentary, The Kings, a four-part series premiering Sunday, June 6th, only on Showtime. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.